Blog Talk Radio. Play Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. of our program is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Co. Remember to use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off. Act now while supplies last. Yes, please continue to support the people that have been supporting us. That is for sure. Continue to show love to the people around the world that have been coming into Sports City and giving us that true love for real. I got my co-host with me calling out of the Midwest region by way of the Bayou area of the United States of America. We have Mr. Harvey, a.k.a. Mike, in the building. Welcome to the brunch. How are you feeling this morning? Always feeling good when I get to chop it up with you, my brother. How are you? I'm doing all right, man. Fighting through a tough weekend. It's it's an unfortunate situation, but uh, life goes on. I I just had to uh, lay my cousin to rest yesterday. So it was a pretty heavy day, and um, just what, seeing all of my family get together and um, pretty much a joyous experience, uh, as usual, like uh, the, the faith that my family carries, but still yet the uh, individual and the physical is not here any longer. Um, but I've been very down, out, and emotional for the past week and a half, but life goes on. I got to do the best that I can here, and I'm going to do the best that I can in this building, Fort City, for oh, real. Oh, so let's. 
I have to ask you one other question before we get into sports real fast. Uh, you said you were going to be in a wedding last weekend. How was the wedding? Um, the wedding went well. Um, my, my older cousin got married, and um, the wild part is, is he is a Cowboys fan, and um, he had all of his groomsmen dressed in all cowboy blue, and the girls were dressed oh. in like a uh, a lighter blue, almost like it was almost Honolulu blue, right? And I'm like, he is funny for that. And then um, him and his wife both had on, like, cream. And uh, for her, she uh, her father had passed away. She wanted uh, um, everybody to wear lilac because in Rochester, they call it the lilac city. She wanted everybody to wear gray and lilac. So everybody there was wearing gray or lilac or all gray or all lilac. So it was a very impressive turnout and the way that everything looked. It, it clashed very well. So... That's how that wedding went as well. So, sorry, Sports City, I've been having a lot from the highs and lows. I call it roller coaster timeless. If if, if you want to take the ride with me, I, I you know I love you for it. But other than that, I know I got to go through it a lot alone as best as I possibly can. But the life of a power, that's it. But um, let, let let's get into this as best as we can. There's a lot to jump into. As best as I can put it together, we got you guys locked and loaded for at least the next hour or more. If we could get into something heavier, we can. Um, but first and foremost, I'm going to let Mr. Harvey kick it off with uh, the things that went down in the College World Series. So, uh, Mike, I'll let you have at it on what just happened in Omaha. Man, College World Series has been exciting. Uh, Florida kind of took the uh, – they, they got through the winner's bracket on their side, went undefeated on their side of the bracket, so they only had to play three times to make the championship series. LSU had to do it the hard way, man. They lost. Uh, they won their first game. They lost to Wake Forest, and then they had to win three games on three successive nights, uh, beating Tennessee again and then beating Wake Forest on both Wednesday and Thursday night. <clears throat> Wake Forest and LSU are the only two teams that have been ranked number one in the country this season. And then everything seems to be set up for Florida because – only playing three times, they had a chance to completely set up their rotation. And LSU had to use their best guy on Thursday to get out of that bracket against Wake Forest. So last night in game one, LSU's number two starter pitched eight innings and struck out 17 guys. He gave up three runs. Uh, didn't get a lot of help from the offense for a while, but he tied a College World Series record with 17 strikeouts, really good outing from Ty Floyd, as much as anybody could have expected from him and more. And one of the fifth-year guys and leaders for the LSU team, a guy who actually went to the same uh, high school as my cousin, uh, came up last night in the top of the 11th inning. He had already had a couple hits on the day, and he hit the game-winning home run. So LSU wins 4-3 to last night against Florida in game one of the championship series of the College World Series. So the Tigers are one win away from a national title, but once again, still very much set up for Florida. But they're both, both of these teams are 53-16 and 16 on the season. Uh, today's game is on ESPN. It starts at 2. If LSU wins, they will be national champions. If Florida wins, we will have a third and decisive game uh, tomorrow night. Now, one of the – a couple of the other interesting facts about this 
game is all three finalists for the Golden Spikes Award. Two of them are from LSU and one of them is from Florida. And then what a lot of people are saying are going to be the top three picks in the draft are two of them from LSU and one of them is a different guy uh, from Florida. And I may be wrong, TP, but I believe I saw something this week that said the last time that the number one overall pick competed uh, in the college world, uh, like competed for an actual championship, was Dave Winfield. Winfield, that's how far back it's been. Uh, Ben McDonald was in the college world series and was picked number one overall, but they didn't make the championship game. So it's been a long time since guys this high in the uh, uh, like the number one overall pick or somebody that high in the draft was actually in the championship game uh, in college baseball. So uh, it's a fun series. There's a lot of, <clears throat> if you want to check it out, I know it's the, it's the ping and the aluminum bat that drives some people crazy, uh, but there's a lot of talent on that field on both sides that are very possibly going to be major league ball players in the near future. So uh, definitely worth checking out, but game two today, uh, and then game three tomorrow, if there is one, between the LSU Tigers and the Florida Gators in Omaha, Nebraska. The, <clears throat> always uh, where they do the College World Series. Now it's called Charles Schwab Field. It's the the home of the AAA Omaha Storm Chasers in the Kansas City Royals organization. But Omaha has been the home of the College World Series for ooh, uh, the last – 50, 75 years or something, a long time. Uh, but they are going to be teeing it up today to uh, decide a national champion. And so hopefully the Tigers can bring another one back to uh, back to Louisiana. Yeah, good luck. Uh, very unfortunate situation that the SEC is dominating, uh, you know, the College World Series at this point in time. But me, just to, to live for the, the hype of the situation, I'm hoping Florida could actually push for a game three so it doesn't end so abruptly because LSU has actually been not only pitching well, but they always have been hitters. Like uh, for the year that they did have the World Series runs, especially in the 90s, they've always had big batters come up to the plate, and if you left it over the plate, they, they made you pay. And um, I could care less on how that aluminum sounds up against the baseball. That's, that's part of the sport. It's just that these guys are getting bigger, stronger, faster, that if people are in the way of a line drive, that's the, the scary part. But other than that, this – this is the way the sport was played since we were kids, going on up. So, I I understand, I get it. I mean, it sounds just as dangerous when the wood is on the on the ball. So, um, but nevertheless, I definitely want to see a, a good series. I don't want to see that Florida get swept off their feet because they have actually been playing strong. I remember catching the game a little a little while ago with Florida, uh, just was cruising, and every it seemed like everybody that came up was knocking the ball out the park. And, um, if they're running into a bus all like LSU, especially with their pitching plan, uh, is, well, pitching as strong as they can, and, and these batters, you don't know who's going to end up damaging you for LSU. It, it, it's almost set that LSU is ready to receive the uh, the championship and bring that back to bat and rules. But nevertheless, um, the SEC is dominating baseball. I thought that there was going to be the Cinderella story the way Wake Forest is playing because Wake Forest has actually played very strong this year and, and having some good batters and, and they actually hit to get on, on base, not just, you know, a lot of these teams are swinging for the fences and I don't, I don't blame them because the, the ball is there for them to do it. But Wake Forest is playing small ball and it was actually working for them, but they ran into the bus saw the, the Tigers and uh, it wasn't getting, it, they weren't getting past that. So 
again, just like Mike said, game two is today. Hopefully Florida can make this interesting and push for a game three. If not, the Tigers will be jumping up and down on the mound, uh, you know, at the end of this one. That That is for sure. Um, okay, so the the next topic I wanted to get into, Mike, unless, unless you have more there, I'd I, I love to, you know, get it all out before we get away from it. Do you have more there before we walk away from it? Uh, no, we good. I think before game two, they're announcing the Golden Spikes winner, which is basically college baseball's Heisman Trophy. So uh, okay. I think that's going to be announced today. Uh, so looking forward to seeing who, who pulls that out. But like I said, just lots of good talent on that field on both sides. And uh, uh, several guys on that field will be coming to a major league park near you in the next couple of seasons. Okay. So the uh, next topic I want to get into uh, just went past this past week, end of the week at that, was the NBA draft. Um, I'm going to tell you the truth, Sports City. Um, you know, and, and I'm going to tell the truth about me. It, it, you know, I'm, I'm personalizing this now. I am into the draft as of, like, you know, where some of the big names go, and especially my team, who my, my team ends up picking up, but this year, I really don't feel a lot of hype around the draft. There was there were names coming into the draft that you respectively know across the the world. I was going to say the country because it's, it's more than just college basketball where these guys are coming in, but across the world, the globe, however we look at it, um, that come into the league and outside of the one the notable names, it was not a lot of shock value like oohs and ahs on where these players were going. Everybody wanted to see what. Of course, everybody knew Victor was going to go. That was like a free whatever amount of money you wanted to get out of Vegas if you wanted to put that type of money up and bring it back home because Victor wasn't going anywhere outside of the Spurs. And I like how San Antonio was already embracing them. They've already gotten everybody back there. I've seen a picture as of this morning with Sean Elliott, David Robinson, Manu Ginobili, and Tim Duncan welcoming him in with his San Antonio Spurs jersey. And he's just like, you know, the leadership and, and the, the heads that he want to grow up around. So that's great that the Spurs have that family aura and organization around them. So that's good that they have that. Um, but, you know, you got Scoot that came in there. You you also got Brandon Miller going to uh, Charlotte. There's a lot of interesting names that we want to see if they could develop and play strong moving forward. But uh, your thoughts on the NBA draft as this just went, back, went past and the good and the bad and the indifferent from what you've seen. Well, you know, we talked about the other day the the Ignite kids and, and Scoop from the G League. Uh, so guys taking different paths than college basketball. So like the uh, Thompson Twins or Thomas Twins, you know, what they turn out to be, one of them going to Detroit and one of them to Houston. Uh, you know, the <clears> – <throat> I don't understand what Dallas and uh, Oklahoma City were doing with their picks in the first round. Uh, Dallas did all this to kind of get into the lottery, and I don't really know that they made the most of their of their picks there. Uh, Miami takes the kid from UCLA. The Lakers took the freshman of the year from the Big Ten, Jalen Hood, Chapino, six <clears throat> six guy who can possibly play six 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 seven guy. They think could possibly play play point guard, so uh, we'll see. I mean, I I think that a lot of the reason why there wasn't quite as much buzz around it this year is there was 
uh, a lot of players that the average college fan didn't know in the top five. Uh, the only guy really that came out of college uh, in the top five was Brandon Miller uh, with that second pick. Uh, but, you know, it was kind of a foregone conclusion who was going to go number one. And so once the lottery was done, we knew that Victor was going to San Antonio. And uh, like I said before, I think that's for a young kid, that's as good a landing spot as you could hope for for him. And, you know, that it's always interesting to see, man, because I feel like every year there's one or two guys who – might have fallen further than they would have liked, but they end up in the right situation. Uh, I think about Jordan Hawkins from Connecticut who can really shoot the ball, and he ends up going to New Orleans to join the Pelican squad. So I think that's going to be an interesting pick as well. Uh, Just sort of looking through those picks, there's always a couple guys that just kind of surface that you didn't really expect to have as much of an impact yet they do. And so, to me, I think uh, at the end of the day, I look forward to seeing who the hidden gems are and, you know, who doesn't live up to their promise. Uh, But uh, I I think you're right. I mean, you you follow it, but it didn't seem as uh, buzzworthy or as as hyped as it has been in previous seasons. I I totally agree. And um, the one thing that uh, you hit on and, it's unfortunate that it's always me in the midst of all of these sport talks. And not not generally, but I know somehow somebody's going to dwindle down to me. It's exactly what you hit on with the the Thunder and the Mavericks. Okay. The Thunder, what year is it? It's 2023. I want to see it's back as far as like 2019, 18, when they started to soak up all of these picks. Everybody was like, wait. Pressy's getting 37 picks. Pressy's adding more picks, so on and so forth. They are picking in the draft to trade the pick. It's like, what capital do you have if you're giving everybody, you're giving the world picks? What What is that? I, I don't understand that. You're not making the team better. And then with the trade that they made, they went and got a big, which the Thunder needs, from Duke, trade them to Dallas and pick up another guard. And Case and Wallace, like, wait, hold on. So you mean to tell me this is, this is what you have, right? And the, the, the Case and Wallace is a decent guard. You have Case and Wallace. He's going to be on the bench because he's just now coming into the league. You have Shea. You have Dort. You have Giddy. You have Isaiah Joe. These are four guards that play now. And you're adding another guard. How, when all of these guards have impact on the floor, you, you, you're, you're cramming the floor with small ball, and when you play a team like the Minnesota Timberwolves, which they are not good, but they beat the crap out of you in the paint with Rudy Gobert and Cat Carl Anthony Towns, because you had no bigs to deal with them at all, what are you going to do? How long do you get to sit on this high horse and not try to register this team to be ready to play in the Western Conference? This let alone the NBA. Let me just say the NBA. I'll just say the NBA. Forget just the Western Conference was loaded with bigs. But you are not competing. I, I, I get it that Shea's awesome. I get it that Giddy's an up-and-coming talent. I'm in love with Dort because he's a defensive monster. But you add another guard. Wait, what? And they're all young? I, I don't I don't see the Thunder doing anything good. It, it, that had me extremely pissed off the way Presley's handling his team. And um, I really think after all of this, 37 draft picks. I know it's the number's lower now. 
But uh, I feel like once all of these picks diminish and are gone, he's not going to do – it's going to be no change to what the Thunder have done. He is uh, a psycho with these picks, a psycho. I, I don't I don't like the way that is. Oh, the, tr- the Thunder are trading this, and they're doing this, that, and the third, and the first round. Do- Enough. There's, there's no way that you could regain me as of listening into the management of this team. But nevertheless, you have Anthony Black that went to the, the Magic. I think that's actually good for them because they have, they're they loaded with bigs. They're actually accommodating the work with the backcourt, you know, with Cole Anthony and company that, that helps accommodate, you know, front and backcourt. That, this is what I'm talking about. And Thunder are looking at that like that. But, um, yeah, I I feel like I started off on the right foot saying that there was no real shock value. The other thing that I am more concerned about within this draft too is Victor Wembanyama. Victor is a seven four talent, can shoot, dribble, block shots. He's he's a unicorn in basketball. He is nineteen. He is young, and he's going to a team with not too many big names there. He is the name. He's going to be the guy as soon as he steps on the floor. And um, like I said, Pop is up in age. Uh, I don't know how long Pop has left in the tank. And I want to be fair with the number because he's in his late 70s, what, three to five years? Am I, am I pushing him out of the league? Like, is he going to really coach in the NBA in his 80s? Like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like he's not. And uh, he's already been trying to walk out of the door. So if Pop stays, how does he get this offense to work around him? Because they more work, work by platoon and uh, get the ball to move around the horn and shoot threes. Victor can shoot threes, but he's not a three-point sit-up-there assassin. He has, he plays all over the floor. They're going to need to bring more players to actually make this thing work. So this is going to be like a work in progress to me from what I see for the Spurs. I just don't want this to be a situation where he ends up, you know, the hype being there and he ends up falling on his face as well. And not to say falling on his face because he's a, he's a hell of a talent, but uh, having to wait so long for this team to piece together for them to be back at the top of the leaderboard in the Western Conference. Because Tim was a dynamic player for them to have that at the right time with Parker and Manu, just to name the names they did have to make this thing work. They don't have that right now. And uh, all they have is the coach, the, the mastermind at this point in time to make it work. So I, I don't know. I, I, he, he's a humble kid. That's why he's highly likable. And uh, from what we see on the floor, what you see is what you get. But if he doesn't have that turnover in the league, if he's able to get moved out of the pain and they get to do things to him, I don't want it to ruin his confidence or, you know, you know how the tabloids and everything else play if he's losing at an enormous clip. I just want this to kind of ease into it. But the Spurs were the number one pick for a reason. They did not play well this past season. So this is something that I'm looking at. And if Victor could turn them around and at least be a – top 10 team in the West, that'd be awesome, but this, to me, is still a work in progress uh, from what I see. Your, uh, your thoughts, though, Mike? No, I agree with you. I think this is definitely a multi, multi-year project in San Antonio. So you take the kid who has all kinds of talent at 19, get a look at him this year with who you have, and I think then maybe as he continues to develop some, you start to surround him with more and more pieces you know pop 74 right now i'm not sure what his birthday is but uh so i mean if you if he were to coach three years and you're taking through 77 i think it's also important whether it be a lead assistant on that bench or whatever i think it's important that over the next year or two san antonio really start to figure out 
you know, do they have a secession plan in place? Like as far as once he's done, who's going to come in next? Uh, because I think that transition is going to be very big uh, in the in the career of Victor and how he's able to develop. So, looking at that, and then to your comments on Oklahoma City, like I think one of the reasons why they got Wallace at the guard position is because they think he could be a defensive monster as well. But it makes me wonder, TP, if at some point uh, if he plays well, or if you don't see at some point maybe them try to see if Giddy can be packaged into a trade or something that might bring them back a big. I don't know. That, that's the only thing I can think of with all this stockpiling of guards. If at some point you're not going to try to trade some of them. Uh, otherwise, like, you know, there's two other positions on the floor, right? Like you got to have some forwards and centers uh, out there. So uh, not sure really uh, what's happening there. And I, I like I like that you mentioned Anthony Black too because you take him and then you take Miller on the wing to go along with all the bigs that Orlando has been able to stockpile over the last couple of seasons and then they should get the 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 big guy back next year that they drafted so uh, it'll be interesting to see how uh, what that team can do as well uh, but yeah as far as I don't see San Antonio being able to get into that top 10 in the West this year. I think you got to almost put together a two or three year plan, right. In order to make, so you can get up there and have some, uh, some staying power. But I think develop this kid, figure out what things he's doing well, what things he needs to continue to work on. Because uh, if they do make it back, whenever they do, uh, you know, Victor's definitely going to be the centerpiece of that. Definitely, but um, it's interesting that you did say that about the Getty situation because uh, there's there's it, it's, he's spotty. Like there's games where he'll have an enormous game, and especially he likes the New York media. I know that's something that he's waiting for to try to get to New York. I, I think that's his one thing about being in America because he plays well against the Nets. He plays awesome against the Knicks. Every time he goes to the Garden, he has a triple double, twenty eight and ten ten or something. But it's like what big do we get out of those areas? Like, or, or then do they appease him? Like, do they send him somewhere that he likes? Cause I'm not giving him somewhere he wants to go just because he's from Australia and you know, he wants to live out his dream. No. And, um, what I think the one thing that'll work for the Thunder is if they traded him to the dog on sons, like if they gave him to the sons and got Aiton because of all of this melee that you're hearing out of Phoenix, that Aiton is not, you know, eye to eye with anybody there, then go get the big that's disgruntled. Don't get a Julius Randle that's a big that wants to sit up there and launch shots. You need somebody that could be effective in the paint and play defense. So that's interesting if they are looking to move Giddy, but I feel like he's a favorite to at least management. I, I don't, I can't really say if he's a fan favorite there in Oklahoma City or not. I haven't been in the building. I, I think they more or less everybody in Oklahoma City just supports everybody because it's extreme love within that organization and around that area and that community. But Giddy's name is, in his, is, you know, bell ringing as, you know, Shea right now. And I think Dort, because he can score, and he is awesome defender as well, that they can't lose a piece like that defensively because then they have to start all over on another defensive anchor. So that's the one thing that I'm looking at that way. But if they keep filling up the backcourt, it's like, who, who do you have down there? Jeremiah, Robinson, Earl? Like who? Who they they just went and picked up Davis Bertans. Like, 
come on, David Bertans get dunked on by everybody. He's a big that shoots threes, and he's getting on everybody's bench. He don't even start. And y'all going to probably bring him in there to start. You got Darich, like, I, I don't know. This, this management, I can't believe in. Like, it's like, how long do you want this to last? You want this to last for another two to four years before they become competitive and then see if they can get into the, you know, second round of the playoffs or Western Conference Finals? Come on. Or I think they just more or less waiting on Chet. I think all the eggs are in one basket on Chet Holmgren, and Chet hasn't even played one game. Like, I, you need to load up on bigs, especially because how frail he appears. He already broke a bone in his foot, and you already know bigs are heavy on their, like, lower extremities just because of the length that they do bring to the game. So I wouldn't put all my eggs in one basket on Chet Holmgren, but I know America's waiting for a, a Caucasian-American star and I think Presty is hanging his hat on that. And if it falls flat, it, I'll laugh. As much as I, I love my team, I will laugh at everything that's going on right now because they're not considerably looking at the rest of the team. It's more or less supporting Shea and what Shea brings to the table. And if Shea gets injured, because every every season he's hurt, uh, but last season he did play a good amount, so that was you know his all-star season at that But I'm not buying it anymore, Preston. You can keep fooling these people if you want to. You got rid of some. You got rid of three MVPs, and you have not brought back an MVP since. Not since Kevin Durant, not since James Harden before in 2012, and not Russell Westbrook neither. You didn't fill any of those shoes. Shea is the closest thing that you have to it, and he's not an MVP yet, or if he will or can become one. So <laughs> patience is a virtue, but I, I don't know how long you want people to wait since you've left. Seattle, Washington in 2008, and nothing's turned over. I mean, you got to a couple Western Conference finals and finals, and um, everybody in Seattle is laughing at you. As much as you made them mad, they're laughing at nothing that's coming out well for the organization. So, And I, I speak on behalf of them, too, because I'm part of both sides of that fence, both sides. So that's the way that I do feel about it. I heard you trying to say something, Mike. No, I say you just, you just hit on the guy that I was about to mention as far as how many eggs are they putting in that chet basket? And are they going to have him put on a little bit of uh, a weight at all to get kind of handle the pounding a little bit? Has he, uh, have they worked on trying to transform his body to get a little bit bigger? I mean, obviously he's, he's built skinny in the first place. So I'm not saying try to bulk him up and make him like a body build, builder type build, but at least maybe try to put about 15, 20 pounds of muscle on that guy to make him a little bit less kind of, uh, I don't know, frail on the inside. Uh, but, yeah, that Chet's the, the only big that you guys really have as far as that shows some promise. But to your point, we haven't really seen him on NBA court in the regular season to accurately judge that. So they definitely got to do some work with their big man. And uh, the the crazy part about Chet is um, he he healed fast from the broken bone in his foot, and he could have gone at the end of the season, but the Thunder were taking every precaution to not even bring him out there. And I I understand as much as I wanted to see him play, and I was knowing that they had a run to get into the postseason, they could have made the playoffs. I get it, but still, yet he didn't put on 15 pounds of muscle like you said, and and I think that's another thing that'll slow him down is if he puts weight on, does it? take away from his game because he is agile to be that tall and uh they may back him down but 
he can actually make up for it with his length. He does block shots. He can test well. But the one thing I'm worried about is, like, games like when he's playing Cat and Embiid and the bigs that are really big, like, where he's not going to be able to do nothing. He played a guy named Kenny Lofton out of Louisiana Tech, but he ended up playing for the Grizzlies. He scored 42 points on Chet. 42 points on Chet, and Chet was the defender. It wasn't like it was like they're saying the multiple bodies that this guy, Chet, could not do anything with this guy because he couldn't get around his body the way he wanted to. So this is something that they got. They got to have an insurance plan. They don't. They, they're not. <laughs> I could talk about this for hours. Sam Presti, I could care less on who you know or what you did or how smart you are to finagle these picks out of these teams. I don't believe you anymore because all you do is go into the draft and give them the teams. Like, why Why are you helping other teams and they don't help you? I, I don't get it. Okay, because um, this will get personal. Um, Mike, I want to move to something else. Um, we got the MLB as well. Okay, well, this is um, – it always come back to me. <laughs> it always come back to me. Um, okay, so we're going to MLB. Um, I don't know if I want to start top to bottom, bottom to top. Um, I'll start for the AL because I always do NL for some odd reason. I think because I like to feed Mike more. I'm tired of feeding this Bayou kid. He already knew it, New Orleans and the Midwest. So I'll start in the AL East. The Tampa Bay Rays, the best team in baseball, 53-27 and 27 at this point in time. They do not look like they are slowing down. They did lose yesterday. They are 5-5 five and five out of their last 10. The Baltimore Orioles are standing strong. Second place in the East, 46 and 29, four and a half back. The New York Yankees are trying to find their way. They're 42 and 35. They're nine and a half back. The Toronto Blue Jays are 42 and 36. They're 10 games back, a half game behind the Yankees. The Yankees better look back. They got somebody in their rear view. And bringing up the bottom of the division are the Boston Red Sox, who are 40 and 38 at this point in time. They are 12 games back. And the crazy part about this is that they are 73 out of their last 10. They are within, how would I say, two and a half games as well. So from the Yankees down, this is a heck of a race at that. So the Yankees have actually been playing strong, but they are dealing with a bunch of injuries at this point in time. This actually slowed them down for the past couple of games. But um, Toronto's standing strong. This could change overnight. And the Red Sox have made this interesting, too. The only division in baseball where everybody's above 500 is respectively so deservedly so to look at this too. And um, I'm wondering if everybody's ready to, you know, team up on the Yankees, man, because the Yankees have been doing this for far too long. And it's, it's a good time to catch them while they're, they're injured, you know, and um, not having judge out there and, and, you know, trying to watch them get strong at the same time and getting their mid season swing into things. And knowing there's been talks of people getting traded, so on and so forth. Um, this is interesting for the, the bombers uh, of the Bronx. Uh, Mike, your your thoughts on the AL East teams that I mentioned as well. So Tampa right now, man, if they play 500 ball the rest of the way, they're going to finish with 94 wins. Uh, they just got off to such a hot start. And, you know, 13-0, and then they, I guess technically 13 over 500 in their remaining games to be right, which is at 53 and 27 right now. And so looking at that too, 53 and 27, that is 80 games, y'all. We are right at the halfway point as of today, game 81 for some of these franchises. So we're at the halfway point of the major league season. Uh, Tampa still surviving, uh, even though they've had some big injuries to their pitching staff. 
um, with Drew Rasmussen and Jeffrey Springs both out. But they're still finding a way to get it done. Shane McClellan has turned into maybe at least this year the best pitcher in baseball. So uh, looking at what Tampa's done, and they got a lot of guys. They they don't have a a, a single star, but they got a lot of guys like Frank like Wander Franco and Randy Rosarina and a lot of guys up and down that lineup that can hurt you. Um, so Tampa is. Is Tampa. Baltimore is still a year ahead of what I thought. Very impressive them. Gunnar Henderson starting to figure it out some. We know about Allie Rushman. And one really interesting thing in Baltimore, uh, Tyler Wells has pitched well, and they're doing enough on the mound. But TP, we heard Villain and Sirius and the talk around New York get rid of Aaron Hicks, get rid of Aaron Hicks. Uh, Aaron Hicks has gone into Baltimore and has really done a good job filling in while they're waiting to get Cedric Mullen back. He's actually played a really good center field and has actually hit the ball pretty well too. So another story of a guy that uh, was just really struggling in New York and he's gotten out of there and he's been pretty good uh, since. So that's kind of helped Baltimore sort of patch that. Uh, leak or whatever once Cedric Mullins went out. So uh, Baltimore is a team that I'll be curious to see if they try to make some moves for pitching. Uh, you mentioned the Yankees. Right as Aaron Judge has been announced can start baseball activities, then it comes out that he actually has a torn ligament in his toe, so no time frame yet for his return. So uh, that catch against the wall at Dodger Stadium ends up being a lot more costly than Expected, so we'll see what happens with Aaron Judge and Stanton's out again. Surprise, surprise. Uh, DJ LeMahieu underperforming, and still Carlos Rodon, their big offseason uh, acquisition, has still yet to throw a pitch uh, for this team. So, uh, you know, we'll see. The the Yankees have a lot of talent, but the the theme has been over the last several years if you can get them all healthy. Uh, but getting all the Yankees healthy is probably about the equivalent of actually watching Santa Claus come down your chimney. So we'll see what happens uh, in New York. Toronto, once again, can still hit. Uh, Kevin Gossman's been really good in that rotation. Kikuchi's been pretty good. Uh, Jose Barrios has has straightened things out for the most part and pitched well. Uh, Chris Bassett, a couple bad starts recently, but uh, for the most part has been good for them this year. What has really hurt Toronto was their guy who was third place in the Heisman, in the uh, Cy Young Heisman. Listen to me, uh, in the Cy Young, Alec Manoa uh, is just broken, man. They sent him down to their like they. He's so broken, man. They didn't even send him to AAA, bro. They sent him to their spring training site to try to rework everything and figure out what's going on and get him back right. So he was supposed to be the ace of their staff, and for a staff where pitching was. I mean, for a team where pitching was the the thing that you wonder if they're going to be able to get enough of it, uh, you know, your ace goes down. That doesn't really help you, but that offense is still definitely to be feared with Springer at the top of that lineup. And then uh, Brandon Belt, former San Francisco Giants, kind of had a resurgence uh, there as well. But, you know, with Bichette and Vlad and Springer and Matt Chapman and even Whit Merrifield, former Kansas City Royal, has been really good for uh, Toronto this year. 
And then, like you said, Boston, now we're back to all the teams in that division being over 500. That's been the case, I feel like, more weeks than not. Uh, Boston has a good young starter, too, now in Braden Velio. Uh, and he's uh, pitching well. Once again, they can they pitch enough? I don't know. But offensively, they seem to be figuring it out. And these guys are going to get Trevor's story back sometime in July. Maybe as a DH and a second baseman, but he's hoping to be able to play shortstop for them uh, by August. So if they can keep their head above water until they get another big bat in the middle of that order, that could make things really, really interesting. So uh, this is the best division in baseball, hands down. No, no complaints here. No complaints here at all. The next division I do have is the AL Central. Now, this is personal. As you can see, the Minnesota Twins are at the top of the division, 39-39. I'm not happy at all with that. They're sitting at 504-6 out of their last 10. They just split so far with the Tigers. The Tigers have actually been making it tough for them uh, in the past six or so games. Uh, right behind them are the Cleveland Guardians. They're 37-39 a game back. They are six and four out of their last ten. The Tigers have fallen to thirty-three and forty-two. They are four and a half back, six and four out of their last ten. The White Sox are thirty-three and forty-five. They are six games back, four and six out of their last ten. And rounding out the bottom of the Kansas City Royals, they are twenty-two and fifty-five, sixteen and a half back, and four and six out of their last ten as well. The worst division in baseball, and um. The personal situation for me is two situations. One is um, the storm of everybody talking about Max Kepler being a part of trade talks. Not only is he a part of trade talks, they're talking about moving him to the team that I do not like at all and would not want him to go to, and it would be very good for him to go there. That's the crazy part in the New York Yankees because they have the short porch and right, and he would probably murder that fence as much as possible, but I'm wondering who they would move because he's a right fielder, and that's what Judge is. So are they going to move Judge to center? Like, they've, they've done that a couple times and haven't Judge in center or put him in right. So I want to know if that will be a mainstay for Judge, especially trying to nurse this injury of him coming back to. Um, and the move of Pablo Lopez, uh, um, I'm, I'm just at the end of my wits here. Like, he's actually had a good strikeout realm, you know, and – um. That the one thing about it is, is he's losing. As much as you made the biggest trade, I feel like one of the baddest mistakes ever of getting rid of Reyes and bringing him here and him not being able to, you know, get off the out of the starting box as best as he can. Um, there's a lot of games going by, but Joe Ryan nevertheless did have a complete game shutout. I've been waiting for him to go a complete game, and Rocco ends up pulling him out by the sixth inning. All the time, you just look at Joe like you know he has more in the tank, but at least he finally let that go by. It's been years since the Twins have let a pitcher go complete game. Um, that says a lot about Rocco not trusting that staff and knowing that he does have the guns to do it now. Uh, Hensi Maeda got back as well, and he actually had a winning start against the Tigers too. So I am happy about some of the situations, but nevertheless, the win total has to get better, especially with the teams that are behind you. The Indians can catch you in a game at any given time, and they're still one of the teams that people think that still could win the Central. And um, the Byron Buxton situation, it, it still won't it won't ever leave. And they basically want him to go up there and hack at the ball, and he's still injured to the point of where Rocco made a, a 
you know, a comment saying that uh, Byron still isn't healthy. We still can't do what we want to do with them, and they they won't even glimpse at trying to put him back in the field again either. So this, this is it is all too stunning for me at this point in time for what the Twins are up to at this point in time. But nevertheless, the Central Division is bad but interesting at the same time. Uh, they all have bad records, but uh, it is a close race, though. So uh, that that is the one eye-opener of this. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the AL Central? It's a crazy thing, and as we go throughout the rest of the standings, we're going to find former twins all over the place. Uh, you mentioned the Lopez deal for Arias, and and we got some other guys who were part of that twins attack or in the twin system that had been traded other places and brought them back minimal return. So uh, at some point you got to be looking at general manager in the front office of the twins too, uh, above Baudelaire and be like, what are you guys doing? Uh, the guardians, like you said, now are back to within a game of that division. You know, the, they got Tristan McKenzie back, but he was only able to pitch three times. Now he's out again. And I think the chances are very good that he is not able to contribute much to this team this season. So they're going to have to rely on young guys like Tanner Bybee and, and other guys in that rotation behind Shane Bieber to see if they can get it done. Um, and then the Guardians got to get some of their other bats hot like Amaya Rosario, who has not been very good uh, a lot of this year. Andres Jimenez has struggled. He was an all-star last year. they got to get some of those bats hot. Detroit, I still think, is a year away, uh, even though they're playing a little bit better recently. Uh, but they still got a lot of arms to get healthy, like Tariq Skubal and, and Casey Mize and a couple guys like that. And then Riley Green being out uh, for them has really hurt that. Uh, offense but then looking like the White Sox have some talent Uh, but like you said 33 and 45 they're six games out which means maybe uh, they can which means maybe they can do something uh, you know if they can get hot and maybe at the expense of another team but this is a a team that I'm I'm really interested as the deadline comes around, if somebody tries to make a play uh, for a couple guys in that rotation like Lance Lynn, or if they decide to actually become sellers at that trade deadline. Uh, But, and then the Royals, man, like he lost Pascatino, the first baseman uh, for the rest of the year. Bobby Witt's still kind of developing, but the Royals are just not very good, right? Like this is a team that, uh, we've got to go through the rest of the standings, but they may be they may have the second-worst record in baseball right now. So uh, it's just not a very good team right now in Kansas City. Uh, but they're retooling and, and trying to trying to rebuild. they got to get right on the mound and continue to get some more pieces in place. But Bobby Witt Jr. is still fun to watch. This thing, if they were within a decade or within a decade or so, it might be a little bit longer, of them being World Series threats. And <laughs> it don't even feel like it at all. And it, it is a normal thing for the Royals to be a team that struggle, uh, you know, at this point in time, year after year. But they did make their run in the early 
2010. It was a, in that room. It was 15 that they wanted. Right, right. So, but, but that's what I'm saying. Within a decade or so. So, but nevertheless, at, at this point in time, they they don't look like it. They do have names there, but their pitching is the one thing that you do question because a lot of people will go up into Kansas City and start smacking that ball into that waterfall that they have out there outfield and. I've seen it happen far too many times. Um, but we will see as we get moving. The next division I do have is the AL West. The AL West is being led by the Texas Rangers, still not stopping. 47-29, and 29, they are 6-4 out of their last 10. They are followed by the Angels, and oh boy, oh boy, that was a heck of a game the other day. They are 42-36, and 36, six games back. They are 5-5 five and five out of their last 10. The Houston Nationals are 41-36. and 36 trying to get their swagger back. They're six and a half back, a half game behind these Angels. They are three and seven out of their last ten. Seattle Mariners are 37 and 38, nine and a half back, five and five out of their last ten. Actually had an interesting series up against the Yankees and rounding out the bottom of the major leagues are the Oakland A's, and they did have a little run a little while ago. They are 20 and 59, 28 and a half back. They are one and nine out of their last ten. In which the Angels just played a game up against the Colorado Rockies. If you guys did not hear or see or anything about it, these guys scored twenty three runs in four innings. <laughs> twenty. Yeah. What's going on? What is going on? That, that this is absolute chaos. Like. I don't even know how you would look at it as a fan. Like, like of course you want to see home runs hit and scores, but if you're the Rockies, it's like you you want to turn the TV off or go crazy, chase players out of the park. I don't know what you want to do, but I know me. I I can't take losing that bad. Like no, mm-mm. but I know me. I'm I'm the type that will turn the channel because I'm not gonna sit through that madness, especially while we aren't doing anything. And just like I said, the same thing about the Royals. Within a decade, the Rockies have also made a, a World Series appearance as well and um, had some big, credible names there as well, and it doesn't look like that at all. And it's, it's tough to keep these names there if I'm talking that type of junk. And uh, hopefully the Rockies will get their swagger back. But the Angels went up in there and really put the tools to them and made everybody get on the floor. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on the AL West? So the Angels have really shown some life in the last couple of weeks. We've been talking about them. Uh, the last few brunches about them being a 500 team. They're sixth over right now. They've risen to second place in that division. Uh, they quietly seem to be getting things done right now. The question is, can they stay hot? You know, Shohei is uh, leading the league in home runs. Trout's producing right now. Uh, you know, they've had to fight some injuries. Their young shortstop, Zach Nito, has gone out. Uh, so we'll have to see how long it takes him to get back. Uh, Anthony Rendon got back briefly and then went down, but they're getting production from other guys too. Taylor Ward, Mikey Moniak, who was with the Phillies as the number one overall pick, uh, hit, a, hit a home run last night. Uh, like I said, Brandon Drury, who's been an all-star uh, in multiple seasons. Uh, they got to get Gio Urshela back soon. Uh, and they're they're finding a way on the mound. Reed Detmers, who threw a no-hitter last year, looks to kind of be right in the sh- right getting the ship right like he was having trouble getting out of the fifth and sixth inning and being able to extend starts and he looks to be getting out of jams a little bit better so you look uh detmers gives him a solid number two behind shohei on the mound 
this is a team that right now would be contending for a playoff spot. Um, so if they can continue to play about this level or continue to you know, creep up here in the standings, then this whole idea that was talked about with breaking news, Brian Hughes, over the, uh, about a month ago of maybe trading Shohei before the deadline may not necessarily be a thing. So uh, the Angels are making some noise. The Rangers are where they are. That offense is something serious. Uh, with Simeon and Seager in the middle of the infield, young Josh Young at, at third base and low at first. And then Adolis Garcia is one of the best uh, power hitters in the outfield in baseball. And you got Le- Leone Tavares running around the bases and, and causing havoc and Jonah Heim behind the plate. And they're doing this without Jacob DeGrom, who we talked about, had to go into the knife again uh, for another Tommy John surgery. So uh, guys like Dane Dunning and Andrew Heaney, uh, guys that have been around for a little while, are trying to help anchor that rotation the best as possible. This is another team that uh, I know they got some help on the way in their minor league systems. Jack Leiter, Al Leiter's kids on the way. Uh, Kumar Rocker, uh, Tracy Rocker's son. Uh, him and Leiter went to Vanderbilt together. He's in their minor league system as well. And they also have Ronald Acuna Jr.'s younger brother, Luis Acuna, in their system, who's on his way up on the fast track. So, they got some prospects coming up behind them, too. It looks like this team has some staying power, but this is another team that I'm curious to see if they go at a pitcher uh, at the deadline or try to see if they can get a little bit more pitching help. But uh, the Rangers are uh, are tough, man. And you mentioned Houston being only 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They really coughed up a game in L.A. last night to the Dodgers some walks, a balk, uh, a hit batter. That bullpen is having trouble getting things done. Uh, Houston has Framer Valdez and, and Hunter Brown. Looks like he's settling in as a legitimate starter. Uh, they got Altuve back. So, you know, some things are in place for Houston to try to make a run at this, and they're not too far off the pace. But um, – this is probably a three-team race. Seattle is a team that a lot of people thought was on the verge of being able to win this division since they made the playoffs last year. It looks like Julio Rodriguez is right at the ship a little bit, um, and they have a lot of good young talent there, but um, I don't see them really pushing for a division title this year, and I can admit I was wrong about that, but uh, it's going to be interesting in the West. Everybody's got a chance to at least be in playoff contention except for the Oakland A's. So we'll see what happens with them. It looks like this Vegas move may be coming to fruition. But they at least have uh, they at least have a couple of young stars or a couple of guys that are emerging as legit major league players on that team. They just have to continue to add pieces around them. But uh, – you're right. After they went on a nice little run, one and nine in their last ten, so uh, they are who we thought they were. To quote the late Dean Green. Okay, so I know this is the part of the show that Mr. Harvey goes crazy about, and that is the National League East. The Atlanta Braves are sitting atop this division and may potentially be wire to wire. 
I don't know if anybody's able to catch them. They're 49-27, 9-1 out of their last 10. The Miami Marlins can't believe this, but I can believe it. Actually, let me take that back. I believe this. They're 44-34. They're six games back. They're 7-3. and three. Marlins, I respect you. Philadelphia Phillies are 39-37, turning this thing around above 510 games back, 7-3 out of their last 10. The New York Mets, they're just going to met. <laughs> I live out here, and everybody knows that they play well up until the summertime, and then something just happens that they lose their way. Sometimes they make their run and get to the postseason and just fall apart. They're 35-41, and 41, 14 games back, 4-6 and six out of their last 10. Between the two pitches of Scherzer and Verlander, they're soaking up so much money, and it's not showing. It's not showing at all. And the Nationals are bringing up the bottom of the division. They're 29-47, 20 games back, 3-7 and seven out of their last 10. I feel bad because I am in this area, and I know a ton of Mets fans, and they did look forward to having a decent season because of the name that they brought there. They've actually brought in Luke Voigt as well to try to make this situation better, and it still did not help or work at this point in time. Um, I don't know how they get back into this thing. I know they can't catch the first-place Braves. Um, the Miami Marlins are, are playing good ball at this point in time, and you guys know I know why. Um, he's still flirting with 400 back at that again. Um, Luis, I'm sorry, man. I really am sorry. I wish I could apologize for the management, but I'm, I'm a fan. I was a diehard. I am a diehard, not was. Um, and they let you go, and you're out there doing what you're supposed to be doing out there in Miami where you should be in the Great Lakes State of Minnesota. But nevertheless, Mike, your thoughts on the division that you guys have been running from wire to wire, the NL East? And mess around and starting to get healthy. Some guys that you hope to get contributions from uh, that started the season slow have really started to come around. We're seeing life from Marcelo Suna's bat, Eddie Rosario, former twin. Um, it's starting to rake some for him in left field. And Michael Harris, man, uh, who started the year uh, really slow, has turned it on and played really well. Ronald Acuna right now still hitting about 325. He's already got 30 steals and 16 home runs. He has been, for fantasy purposes, he's been the best player in in baseball, especially in Roto. But he's just been uh, – and when he's getting on base, like a 430, 450 clip or whatever, so uh, – and, and some pop in that bat, and he's playing a really good right field. Uh, some young pitching, uh, that's – that's the thing. Uh, A.J. smith Schauber got rocked on Friday night in Cincinnati. That's happening to a lot of people. More on that in a minute uh, when we get to the Central Division. But Spencer Strider's pitched pretty well. Listen, the Phillies and Braves have both won 12 out of 14 going into that series this week. Uh, the problem that the Phillies had was just that the Braves were winning too. Usually if you win 12 out of 14, you expect to be able to make up some ground in that division, and they weren't able to. And the Braves were able to go into the city of Brotherhood Love and grab two games this week. They were supposed to play three, but that middle game got rained out. And now the Phillies and Mets have split the first two this week. Uh, Phillies have been playing good ball lately, though. I, I feel like they're really starting to sort of make a run. And we're going to see what they got. The question is, can Bryce Hopper find some power? Uh, we know he's coming off that elbow injury, and he got back super early. Uh, but can he find some power behind that swing? Uh, and can they continue to get uh, consistency out of that starting staff? 
uh, looking at the Mets, like you said, the Mets are going to met. Uh, Scherzer has pitched pretty well his last two times out, though, and Merlander pitched pretty well uh, his last time out as well. So if, if they can continue to get things done at the top of that rotation, uh, you know, we will see Alonzo back. So and you mentioned uh, Miami. As of this morning, Luis Arias is hitting 401. Uh, with a 454 on base percentage, so definitely flirting with 400. And listen, to any pitcher in Major League Baseball, if if that guy goes hitless for one or two games, be careful because he's going to bounce back and go like five for five. So, uh, Luisa Rice, best bat-to-ball skills and contact skills in the game. Um, and if you haven't gotten to see him play very much, I understand there's only about eight people in the stands every time he plays a home game. But he's worth watching. He's animated. He plays uh, with a lot of energy and it's a lot of fun to watch play. Uh, and you mentioned Washington, man. I think Washington's really just trying to give on the job training to these young guys. Uh, from Abrams at short to Luis Garcia at second and, you know, Alec Thomas in the outfield and then these young pitchers, Mackenzie Gore, who they got from the Padres in that trade last year, Josiah Gray, who they got from the Dodgers in that big trade the year before. Uh, The Nationals are just trying to give these guys on-the-job training. They know they're not going to compete for a division this year. The hope is is that maybe in a couple years as these kids start to grow up, then you can make a couple moves and bring in pieces around them. Uh, But this is a a tough division with a lot of decent teams, but uh, the Braves sitting pretty right now and the National League East in good shape. Okay, moving right along into the NL Central. People, I don't know what to say, but this thing has turned around, and I got to give them a ton of credit. The Cincinnati Reds are atop the division. They are 41-36. and 36. They are 9-1. and one. Out of their last 10. The Milwaukee Brewers are 39-37. A game and a half back. They're 5-5 five and five out of their last 10. The Cubs are 37 and 38, three games back. They're 9 and 1 out of their last 10. Here come the Cubs. The Pirates went from the top to damn near the bottom of the division 35 and 41, five and a half back. They are 1 and 9 out of their last 10 and rounding out the bottom. Uh, I, I, they could potentially probably get out of here because the way the Pirates are falling apart. The St. Louis Cardinals are 31 and 45. They are 9 and a half back. They are 4 and 6 out of their last 10. I don't know. Them and the Pirates are playing around. I don't know how the Pirates imploded this bad after they were sitting on top of the division. But the Cincinnati Reds are the talk. Everybody's coming around. They are hitting the ball as best as possible at this point in time, especially at the middle of the season. They're getting hot at the right time in the summer. Mike, your thoughts on the crazy NL Central. All of these teams are basically flip-flopped except the Brewers sitting where they were the whole time. Yeah, you know, like you said, here come the Cubs. Cardinals still lurking around last place. And there's almost as much distance between the Cardinals and the Pirates as there are the Pirates in the top of the division. you got four teams right there within five and a half games of each other. But the crazy thing is, man, the Cincinnati Reds had a 12-game winning streak snapped last night. That was the most games that that team has won since uh, in, at a – the most games they've won, like, in a streak since 1957. Uh, coincidentally, the Braves won the World Series that year, so maybe that's an omen. Who knows? But Cincinnati has just got a 
Listen, man, they tore things down. Uh, they made some very shrewd moves. Uh, in the Tyler Malley deal last year, they got Spencer Steer, who's been hitting the ball well. Ellie De La Cruz is where it starts and ends, though. This guy's 21 years old, is a legit five-tool player. He's got a lot of pop in his back, can really run. Uh, has played some third base and some shortstop. And then they caught up another kid, Matt McClain, who's played some shortstop. He played second yesterday. Uh, but he has hit over 300 since he got called up about a month ago. Uh, Joey Votto just came back this week. A former LSU Tiger, Jay Fraley, has hit a home run in each of his last four or five games. Uh, they have – this Cincinnati team can really hit. And, listen, they play in a bandbox, man. This is like Coors Field North. Uh, that, that park that Cincinnati plays in, man, if you put a good swing on it, it definitely has a chance to go out of the ballpark. But And they got a guy like T.J. Frito at the top of that order who can really run. Uh, this Cincinnati team is a lot of fun to watch. They run the bases. They steal a lot. I think they're second in the National League in steals. They do a lot of first to thirds on singles. They got a lot of pop in their bat. But Ellie De La Cruz uh, is looking all the world like he's the next big superstar in Major League Baseball. So if you don't know the name, uh, now is the time to get familiar with him. He's been hitting cleanup for that team uh, from the time he first came up. And he has got some major pop in his bat, uh, has a cannon for an arm, uh, is one of the fastest men in baseball. Uh, but Ellie De La Cruz is the truth. And then you got a lot of other young guys around him, mixed with a couple veterans like Kevin Newman, who was in the Pittsburgh organization for a while. You got a, a couple veterans on that team. But this is a fun team to watch. Cincinnati is another team that. Will they get any pitching? They got Hunter Green, the young kid. Um, they had Nick Lodola, who recently went down and is out. Graham Ashcraft just came back from the I.O. yesterday and got knocked around a little bit. So uh, since the question with Cincinnati is can they, can they pitch it enough? Uh, they've got the hitters, but can they pitch enough? Uh, this is another team that I'll be curious to see if they make a move but I can guarantee you that they're not going to do anything that's going to – they got a couple more prospects on the way. Christian Encarnacion uh, is on the way, and they also got another kid from the Twins in the Tyler Malley deal who was their number one overall pick. Uh, I can't call his last name right now, Spencer or something, but he's on the way up as well. Uh, so this is a, a team that his – man, they tore things down, but they drafted well. They made some shrewd moves. And this is a team that looks – in a division that really looks to be up for grabs, if they can continue to fortify their rotation over the next couple of years, this is a team that is looking like it has the potential to try to grab a stranglehold on this National League Central. The future is very, very bright in Cincinnati, and the Cincinnati Reds, Reds fans can be more excited than they've been in a long time at the brand of baseball that they're seeing this playing. Okay, and to round out this talk for the day, we have the NL West. And I'm I'm stunned that they've been able to hold on to the way that they've been playing for the past couple of weeks, but the Arizona Diamondbacks are sitting at the top of the division, sitting at 46-32. and 32. They are 5-5 five and five out of their last 10. The San Francisco Giants are 44-33. and 33. They're a game and a half back, making this interesting. They are 9-1, and one playing some strong ball out of the last 10. The Los Angeles Dodgers are 43-33. and 33. 
two games back, always in the thick of things in the NL West, excuse me. They're 6-4 and four out of their last 10. The Padres, I don't know when they get this thing clicking, but they are getting closer to 500. They're 37-40. and 40. They are eight and a half back. They are four and six out of their last ten. They're close. And, again, like I mentioned a while ago, the Colorado Rockies are 30 and 49 at this point in time. They are 16 and a half back. They are one and nine out of their last ten. And the shellacking that they let the Angels put on them, uh, I, if you have not seen it, YouTube it. Go to MLB.com. Please listen or witness whatever you need to do to this. That's incredible that they put up that much scoring in that short of time, I'm, I'm I'm thoroughly impressed. But, Mike, your thoughts on the NL West with the teams that have been mentioned? So we've talked about the Diamondbacks a lot with that young team and Corbin Carroll, uh, who, you know, I'd say is in the running for Rookie of the Year. But, listen, Ellie Daylor and is the favorite for it. But let Ellie Daylor Cruz keep messing around. It could be really, really interesting. Um, but – that Diamondbacks team, fun to watch. That's another team that I'll be curious to see if they try to do anything to grab any pitching help. Because apart from their two best starters, Zach Gowan and Merrill Kelly, the staff ERA for any of their other starters is like over six. Uh, and then San Francisco, man, I I don't know what it is with San Francisco, Ty, but it just seems like at least every other year, they seem to find a way to get it done with just a mixed match of parts. You know, it, it, it's like that car where you got tires from one place and a transmission from uh, a transmission from somewhere else and a motor from here, and you throw all of it together and then it just runs like a dream. Um, you got the Monty Wade at the top of that order, another former Minnesota Twin. They got Michael Conforto, former New York Met, out there. Uh, Brandon Crawford being the veteran that he is, but they've also really started to bring up some youth, right? So Patrick Bailey behind the plate, Casey Schmidt uh, on the infield, uh, playing some shortstop and a little bit of third base. Uh, Thero Estrada, Estrada seems like a veteran on this team, and he's still relatively young. And then over the last week and a half or so, they brought up Luis Matos to play center field. Um, so you put him out there with another veteran like Mike Yastrzemski, who's been around for a while. And then they seem to fix pitchers, man. Alex Wood has been very good for them. Uh, Alex Cobb recently went down, but I think he's going to make it back soon. Logan Webb uh, in that bull, uh, in that rotation as well has turned himself into a bona fide major league starter. This is a team – that has made it really, really interesting. They swept the Dodgers last weekend. I think they won 15 to nothing or 15 to one or something in the last game of that series. Uh, and then they've won the first two games against the Diamondbacks. So they're right there. They're a second place team right now. Uh, and like you said, the Dodgers just two and a half out. So you've got three teams right there within two and a half games at the top of that division. You mentioned San Diego, man. The question is, can they pitch enough? And can they get it right? They're eight and a half out. So they're going to have to uh, put some work in. And you don't have as many games against your division foes this year with the way the new schedule is to uh, catch up as easily. So San Diego is going to have to right the ship and really go on a run at, at some point to to make this thing work. Uh, but, you know, you got three teams there. I keep expecting the Giants to fade, and every time I do, they end up going on another little bit of a run. So 
the Giants look like they're going to be around for a while. So we'll see uh, what they can do. That that just makes it really interesting. We know that that Giants-Dodgers rivalry is something special. And it, if they're both competing for uh, divisions, that, that definitely keeps uh, the state of California. Uh, it keeps their attention and keeps them engaged. So uh, looking at, at all of these teams, you mentioned the Rockies, man. They're they're struggling. They dropped four at Atlanta last weekend. They got, they got absolutely just demolished uh, last night. Uh, this is a team that I, I'm curious to see if they offload anything at the deadline. Maybe Kyle Freeland gets dealt. Maybe they trade a pitcher or two if somebody wants to take a chance on a pitcher, you know, post course field and see if maybe he can uh, – uh, you know, have better results in another ballpark, a la what John Gray has been able to do for the Texas Rangers. But they do got a couple of young stars that they really like. They like Nolan Jones has played right field for them some. Uh, they like Brian McMahon's been around for a while. They like the pop that he brings. They got a good young shortstop who's very smooth in Ezekiel Tovar. So they got some they got some players there, but still a lot of rebuilding to go for Colorado in a very tough Western Division. Okay, so that basically rounds out the MLB. Are there any topic that I missed that we need to get into before we get up out of here or closing down the brunch? No, man, I I think we uh I think we pretty much covered it. We we hit baseball, we hit the College World Series, hit the NBA draft a little bit. Uh, you know, listen, it's the the only other thing I will say is most of the mini camps have finished, so we got a, a month of no activity really before people start reporting to training camps in late July, and then we'll be uh, football be in, in full swing again, man, before you realize it. So uh, it, it's going to get real interesting over the next few weeks. And I was watching uh, a fight last night on Showtime, and I was reminded that Coming up in the next few months, it looks like we are going to have a a Crawford Spence fight. So uh, that that's going to be interesting to see. Okay, well, give me a plug, close out, shout out, anything that you like to promote as we shut it down here at the brunch. Man, first of all, all the respect and love to you, my brother from another mother. Man, without you, wouldn't be here, and much appreciate you bringing me on board. Uh, with the Sports City Chefs family, man. Check out the blog, website, all the different things we got going on. Uh, got some recent articles out. We're going to have some more finger foods and things coming down the line uh, as well. So check out the website. Remember, you can listen to us on any of your smart speaker devices as well. Just tell it, play Sports City Chefs. It'll play it for you. It'll tell you the episode number. So if you want to hear the previous one, just tell it to play that number, right? And uh, like and subscribe. Uh, on our pod, uh, to the podcast, to any of our different things, the numbers help us. So we appreciate all the followers, all the listeners. Wouldn't be a whole lot of reason for us to be here. Don't forget phiapparel.co. Use the promo code CHEFS at checkout. Get yourself an extra 15% off. Be on the lookout. Uh, I got a little bit more free time on my hands over the next few weeks, so be popping up and uh, trying to open up the barbershop a little bit on uh, Clubhouse. So hopefully we can get some good discussions going uh, over there again as well. And then 
we have other shows coming at you throughout the week. So, you know, as always, this is the Mothership, the time of Sunday morning brunch on Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, we will be ramping up probably in the next month or so with some front office shows. Uh, Wednesday evening, the Callers Cookout. Uh, Dylan versus Timeless, we're good always went, so check that out on Wednesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern time. As all of our shows start, and then Thursday evening, uh, Chandler and I, we've had Sirius and TPN uh, with us the last couple of weeks as well. Roundtable gumbo, serving it up. You know, Chandler always brings spice to the table, so uh, I think that is a, a fitting name uh, for that show. So check us out, like, and subscribe. Be a part of everything that we're doing in Sports City. And until next time, man, laissez les bons temps rouler. Much love, TP. Also, one Mike missed is that some odd reason Sirius is sitting up here putting out Steelers shows. So there's Steelers show and information that he's putting out here on Sports City. I'm I'm gritting my teeth that I got Steeler talk going on in the kitchen. But nevertheless, continue to support everything that we do throughout the week. SportsCityChefs.com is back in effect. Got the website up and running, and of course, we are getting close to the middle of the summer. So we are getting close to where we want our teams to be, so on and so forth. And um, right now, baseball is king. Um, the All-Star game is a couple weeks away. I can't wait for a lot of this stuff to start to go down. I just hope my boys can get their swagger right. They have their swagger back, but hopefully they can get it right. And um, the pitching is everything, man. And the bats got to wake up, too. Everything got to happen in Minneapolis. I don't know what's going on. Rocco Baldelli, get your head out of here. You know what? And I'm not even going to do too much of that. Cause I will go crazy on his last minute rant. But on that note, tell a friend to tell a friend that it's the chefs again. And if they don't know, now they know. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs, sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs, sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs, sports city, sports city, chefs. Kaboom, sports city chefs is in the room. Cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, blown like a flower in June. Superman verse MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend it's the sports city chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports city, sports city, chef you, chef you. Sports city, sports city, chef you, chef you. Yeah. Cat. Todd. Woo! Connecticut. Uh. <laughs>